Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of Grow With Soul. My guest today is Greta Solomon, a writing coach and author whose latest book, Heart, Sass and Soul, Journal Your Way to Inspiration and Happiness, is, as the title suggests, all about finding joy in creativity and self-expression through writing. While she now focuses on creativity, Greta also has a background in teaching business writing. So in this episode, we cover the whole spectrum from balancing the personal and professional through to finding joy in writing. We discuss the rise in sharing vulnerable stories and treading carefully through that, as well as overcoming the mental blocks you may have around writing to find your true voice. It's a good one. So let's dive in. Hi, Greta. Welcome to Grow a Soul. Hi, Kate. It's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. No, that's fine. We've kind of crossed paths before because we both spoke at Blocktacular in the same year, which feels like about five years ago, but I feel like it was two. (laughs) But we kind of crossed paths, but didn't. It was like the most hectic day ever. So it's good to be able to sit down with you over the internet and actually talk through things in a bit more depth. Yeah, it's lovely. I remember meeting you in the speaker's room Mm. and we had our... Uh, sessions at the same time but it yeah. was really nice to connect in that short time actually and I would have loved to have gone to your your um, talk as well it's a shame that we crossed over in that way <laughs> it's always the way isn't it but there's like the two talks you want to go to on at the same time yes <laughs> so for anybody who hasn't come across you before or your work tell us everything <laughs> so kind of uh, your background and the inspiration behind what you do and and now where you're at now with the, the book and everything yeah, sure. So I'll kind of start from the beginning just to sort of put everything in context. But my sort of official job title, as you, as you might say, is a writing coach and author. But I actually graduated from university with a psychology degree in 1999. But I always worked in media and publishing. And I started off working in magazines. I was a journalist. So I held two staff positions as a deputy editor at one magazine and as a features writer at another one, one of the big women's weeklies. And it was while I was there, I was really young. I started that job at 23 and I was just covering somebody's maternity leave. So it was quite a short contract and it was real sort of baptism by fire. Mm. And I kind of understood at that point that although I was good at writing, that I you know, was being hired for all these writing jobs that I had lots of creative blocks and it didn't come easy for me and that I kind of did not feel creative and it was this really weird experience and I kind of thought that when my contract was up that I wanted to free myself up and sort of take a detour from this whole life path that I thought I had to do, you know, the whole going to school, going to uni, Mm. getting good grades, all that kind of thing. So I actually um, went freelance and I continued writing for magazines and some newspapers, but I went to a drama school six days a week, evenings and weekends, lots of voice work, obviously with that, a lot of Mm. movement. And I traveled a lot. And the thing that really changed things for me, though, was when I went to study at Berklee College of Music, I studied lyric writing. And I learned really cool techniques that songwriters use to write songs, obviously, in this one year course. 
and it completely changed the way I was able to express myself in writing and that crossed over into my journalism work that I was still doing and finally it was like the pieces of the puzzle had come together and writing was easy I'd managed to sort of slot everything together Mm. and I kind of really wanted I had such a great experience myself I wanted to then become a coach a writing coach and teach other people so I trained in teaching I trained in coaching got certified in both and started tutoring students teaching them all these techniques I'd learned from lyric writing, teaching them stuff from my journalism days, from, you know, stuff I'd just learned from drama school, kind of putting everything together. And then that has just morphed into the career I have now. I then went on to teach business writing for lots of big organisations and also taught at university, at City University, for their writing for business course. And in the last couple of years, it's morphed into more teaching and coaching and training people to write for creative self-expression. And that is the topic of the book that I've just written. It's just been published. It's a book all about writing your way to inspiration and happiness for both professional writers and people who just want to feel freer and truly find their creativity in life and, and feel happy and expressed. So that's kind of in a nutshell. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's so interesting that because to hear the way you describe the journey and having read most of the book, it kind the book does feel like it's almost like the embodiment of that journey so far. It is all those little pieces that you've picked up from everywhere and all been put together. Yes, it is. Thank you so much for saying that because I do imagine myself like the hummingbird. I know Elizabeth Gilbert talks about being hummingbirds as being people who take a little bit of this a little bit of that go to different flowers and then put it all together and that's exactly what I've done so it's yeah it it, there's kind of like a lot of inspiration from different places and I think that's really really powerful because people resonate with different things and Mm. it will light people up in different ways and I think I think that's really important Mm. yeah I think and there's a lot of that kind of in the air at the moment I think for the last couple of years there's been really prescriptive ways of doing things and all the kind of five-step formulas and and that kind of stuff but I think people are kind of breaking away from that a bit more now and they want somebody's more for want of a better word authentic journey of these are all this hodgepodge of stuff that's worked for me it's not a coherent process or a shiny thing but these are all the tools that you can put together to get to a point you want to get to Yes, I 100% agree. I think people have just woken up to the fact that you can never replicate somebody else's path. Mm. And when you do try and do that, you're then just shutting down your own intuition. And that will never be true happiness Mm. or true success for you. Mm. Yes, I love that. (laughs) Pull that out as a quote. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to kind of start with a little bit of the professional writing as a kind of gateway into digging into more of the creative stuff because I think for a lot of people that is the initial block particularly if they're thinking about writing for a business or making their blog a business that the difference between what's personal and what's professional am I crossing a line is this wrong for me to say this into as a business owner so I'd love to get your thoughts on that kind of the tone of voice and writing for business, particularly when you're kind of a small business owner and it's just you. Yes, definitely. So the first thing that I've come to realise from working with all these hundreds of people in business writing is that most people 
first of all think they have to be more formal mm. than than they and they don't like a lot of people are sort of stuck from old rules they may have learned in an early job or at university where there are kind of these formal ways of address addressing your customer even people have gone as far as to think that you should still write dear sir and madam mm. and that is we just need to throw that out but the number one thing to remember is to think about who your reader is if you start from there you cannot get it wrong and you can think in really specific terms you know how old are they what do they do for a living what kinds of things do they like what you know what where do they go on holiday think about this person how would you talk to that person what kind of language would you use for that person and to know that whatever you're writing for whoever your client is whoever your audience is take it down a notch in terms of the formality you can always afford to be more informal than you think you can and really show your personality because that's what people want these days they want to know who you are and are they a person they'd actually quite like to go and have a cup of tea with and mm. if not they're not going to resonate with the the, mes- the business messages behind behind that not not really not in this day and age yeah no I, I love what you say about that you can afford to take it down a notch because I think we're so in our heads with it and we're overthinking it so much more than whoever is that's going to be reading it so if you're you can afford to take it down a couple of percentage points yes definitely (laughs) and and just tone the dial down slightly and although it might feel like a huge change to you it's not going to make too much of an impact in terms of somebody being like oh my god who is this person talking to me like definitely (laughs) and some other questions to ask are what does my reader really need from me Mm. not what you want to give them what do they need and want from you and sort of marry that up with what do you want them to feel what do you want them to do what do you want them to think after they've read your piece whether it's a blog article or just a little snippet for social media and to just really a lot of writing is actually thinking I mean this is a loads of preparation that you can do so that when you do get to the page you're actually writing with purpose and with um, energy and you know what it is you're doing rather than sort of getting to the computer and feeling a block. It's more important to think and sift through all this preparation and all these kind of questions first. Mm. I quite often say that to people who struggle with whether it's doing a blog post or whatever it is to take as much of the thinking out of the writing process as you can and like preempt a lot of the thinking whether that's an outline or like bullet points or whatever it is so that when you actually come to write you can let it flow out a little bit better without stopping every sentence to agonize over whether it was the right thing to say or not yeah that's perfect advice it definitely has to sort of be yeah be two separate processes for it to be most effective I think and I I also like what you said about thinking about what the reader wants to read because I think that's actually a much bigger mindset shift than people realize because we're so used to kind of just saying what we feel and what we think and actually the trick is to completely turn it around and be like what do people need to hear not what do I want to say because what I want to say is by my thing (laughs) yeah you know it's really hard to make that shift I know when I first started as a journalist I couldn't even think about my readers I know they were there obviously they're buying the (laughs) magazines but I couldn't make that shift in my head I could only just write it really takes a lot of thought and a lot of I think if you're a person who has a lot, or if you think a lot, you've got a lot of stuff going on, you'll find it hard to shift to thinking about somebody else. And I think a really sort of good practice is to 
begin free writing and begin kind of getting a lot of gunk out, getting all those, mm. you know, uh, sort of murky things that are sort of underneath your day-to-day persona, keep getting them out. If you do a process of doing this for a long time, it just frees you up then to then really be able to connect with, with who you want to connect with, both in your writing for your business and just generally in life. You have to sort of you lose yourself a little bit in a good way, become less sort of focused on your own thoughts. And and that should be quite a freeing thing in general, that it doesn't have to be about you. It's just put it about the other person, make it all about them. And it's not, it's not you, it's not a judgment on you. It's just ref- reflecting, being a mirror and reflecting it back at people. Yeah, definitely. It's like having this service mentality. Mm. But I know that it's also a lot of personal story. People share a lot of personal stories these days, which is a really, really good thing that people are sharing so personally. So that's sort of a separate thing, quite separate from sort of, you know, getting in your own way as a writer. But I do think, I know we sort of talked about this before, about when to know how much is too much to share and how much is too little Mm. and that whole sort of dance between the two things. Yeah, I I really was really interested to talk to you about this because it's a conversation that I'm having more and more and more with clients and people kind of mention it to me in messages and things as well. And you talk about it in the book as well about which are the stories to tell and which are the ones not to tell because it does feel like in the atmosphere at the moment there's like a race to be the most vulnerable and most authentic person on Instagram and a lot of people feel quite uncomfortable with that. Yes definitely I think for many people we're both at the same time desiring to put ourselves out there and afraid of being seen at the same time Mm. so I think we can alternately share too much and share too little and I think Sometimes when people do overshare, they get then all the likes and all the supportive Mm. comments. And I think that can become addictive because it's kind of like you you take your pain and and you get love from it. So you get Mm. the comment, you get the, the warmth. But I think there's there's a danger in that both for you as a person, because often I have kind of kind of a few rules about what I believe when I believe you ought to share personal stories and when you perhaps need to hold back a little bit. So the first thing that I think is that if you're telling a story and it makes you cry in the moment as you're telling it, I think it's too soon to share that publicly online because you haven't healed from that. And by just sharing and talking about it, you can sort of become in that sort of trauma cycle Mm. where you're just talking about it, talking about it, and people are sympathizing and giving advice but that never allows you to privately heal from that. So I think that can be quite damaging. I know it sounds sort of dramatic word, but mm-hmm. it can be quite damaging. And I think as well, I, I had an example in the book where I was at a, a conference and two bloggers had read out really personal, heartfelt stories and they were crying from these stories. And it was so, they were so personal and we really, everybody felt the emotions and afterwards, well, that was that. We we left the conference. It was the end of the day and we were supposed to go on a boat trip after that. And then I just started worrying for their health mm. because they were like, it was like picking off the scabs of their um, wound. And then how would they put that back on again? So the criteria for sharing isn't how personal it is or isn't how deeply it's affected you or who it involves. It's are you healed from it? And can you tell it from a position of power and know that you 
are healed from that. And that's true sharing, in my opinion, and true self-expression that heals everybody and helps everybody. And sort of regurgitating your pain, I think it's damaging for all of us. And I think I really think it's something that we have to be more mindful of in this in this online space. Yeah, I it is it is quite uncomfortable that it's almost a monetization of pain to yes. to be like putting out there and being like this this is what it's going to take for me to success be successful is to just like <laughs> lay myself out bare on the internet which no wonder a lot of people are kind of feeling a lot of <laughs> issues about doing that. I remember I went to go and see Dolly Alderton speak and she said something along the lines of like your story is your power don't give it away too freely be, mm. be careful of who you give it to and the way in which you give it to because once you've given it out it's not yours anymore it's like taken on by other people yes that's really wise and I also think that it can be even more powerful to to tell a very small slice of your story mm. that doesn't include all the stuff that you haven't perhaps dealt with and tell that small slice in a really authentic way, that can be more powerful, in fact. Mm. And also to remember that we are not one story. There's become this trend to have this origin story that encompasses everything that we are, all the the bad things that have happened in one massive story that then led you to create your business. Mm. But that's not who we are. We're many, Mm. many stories. And it's so disempowering because sometimes we have stories that are really funny, or really just silly and there's not this culture to tell those stories I don't understand why we have to constantly wallow in just the painful stuff it's really disempowering and I think there will be a shift and there will be um, and it's not about denying the darkness or anything like that it's just saying I'm a whole person and I have many different emotions and I have lots of things to say here I am and that's much more empowering Mm. you need the light and the dark exactly to be able to see it all yeah and I actually used to see a lot of we're talking Instagram but I think across the board a lot of accounts which are more joyful or comical even I'm thinking like all that is she and actually the strange planet cartoon series which I'm like obsessed with like that are just pure joy and fun rather than doom and gloom and all our problems and they are still resonating with people because they show that side of of a person as well that it's in order for people to know you they don't have to know your darkest secrets exactly they just have to feel your spirit which is of course Mm. is hard over the internet I think that's the problem it's really hard to feel someone's spirit and what they're actually like it's only when you meet them in real life you think ah now I know who you are Mm. because you get a sense of them so it is hard to to convey that but yeah I think one of the the issues is that we have become more more comfortable rather with speaking about mental health and that's just led people I think to use the internet as a platform for exploring their feelings but I believe many of those feelings are best explored in your journal privately and then you can take bits from that and share them with the world it's just too much instant sharing but Mm. but that's that's simply my opinion. No I think that's a really good point because there is so much talk and rhetoric around mental health and the way in which you should deal with your mental health is to talk about it so people are kind of like okay (laughs) kind of being hurried onto the stage almost by it and whether they feel that that's the right thing to do or not they're kind of told it is whereas I don't think that we value that kind of 
process as much. It's kind of like, put it out there, like talk about it instant, now, now, now. Whereas actually what you're saying of go and process it and then craft it into something that you're happy to talk about. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You've put that so well. And also writing with a pen or a pencil and a piece of paper is far more you're far more likely to access your subconscious and get into a flow state and actually write about what you really think and feel. I, I get, I sense that when you're talking, you're accessing a different part of the brain, especially if you're talking for an audience and you're not actually perhaps saying, you're, you're leaving many things unsaid because you're only operate. you talk from your conscious mind. We don't talk from the unconscious. It's impossible to do so if you look at it from a scientific point of view. So you can talk and share and that's great, but to really access, you need to sort of go down the layers and go deep, deep and access what your subconscious beliefs are, what's really behind these issues. And you can only do that through writing. You can't do that through talking. Mm, yeah, that's so true. That I've done a lot of work on the subconscious mind and language and stuff for, for my purpose kit. And because we in all the stuff about finding purpose, that's something that you get a lot is that the rational brain, the limbic system doesn't control language, but it does control how you feel. And so it's really hard to to vocalise and verbalise how you feel in a lot of ways. So that's why not talking it through, not being so instant with it, because it is a drawing out process to find the actual truth at the heart of it, rather than just like spurting out words. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know if you've ever you know, been to a, in a therapy session, I, I had a couple of sessions, you kind of sit there and the therapist says, now talk. <laughs> and <laughs> you don't even know what to say. Mm. And you just talk about a whole load of stuff. And if you were at home with your journal, you could actually say what you really wanted to say. Mm. And then perhaps go and say, well, I've written a few things down here in my talking points. It's there, there is a lot of pressure that we should all be great talkers. And, you know, 50% of the world are introverts. So 50% of people are going to be better thinkers and better writers than better talkers. So I think it's just, it's the power of writing is so immense. And often we, we overlook it. We just forget how, yeah, just how important it can be in, in transforming your life. Yeah, that's so interesting. I, I've never been much of a journaler, actually, because like you said about the paper and pen, that I that's the thing I find really frustrating because it, my hand doesn't move fast enough for oh. my brain. <laughs> But it's something like it all, it keeps coming up like, oh, journaling here, you know, when the universe is sending you messages and you're kind of resisting it a little bit. Yeah, that's so interesting. Your hand doesn't move fast enough. Yeah, I have to write so scribbly to keep up. (laughs) So yeah, get in the habit of really doing messy, messy writing if you can. So I'd love to talk about the communication pyramid that you spoke about in the book because I thought that was a really useful way of demonstrating the layers with which we communicate and how to get to that kind of deeper, more truthful place. So I don't know whether you kind of want to talk through the theory behind it a little bit and then how people can kind of use that. Yeah, definitely. So the communication pyramid was was a tool that I created. It's a visual tool, but I'll talk through it, that... It was kind of based on what people have presented me through all my years of coaching and training people to write. And I realized that so many people were blocked with all their sort of negative thoughts about writing, about themselves, about. And it was just 
yeah, a representation of how you can free yourself up. So there are five different levels. The very top of the pyramid is the mind. And that's the stuff like the grammar, the sentence structure, writing hacks and rules and regulation. That's, yeah, that's the mind. And then lower down, we have the body. And that's things such as creative and practical tools and techniques, things you would learn on a writing course, for example, a sort of standard writing course. And then you have the heart, and that's when you're able to write freely. So that's about the way you express yourself, your words, your stories, your point of view, all that juicy stuff that makes you who you are. When you're in the heart zone, you can write freely about that, all those things. And then the fourth layer is the soul layer. And that's even deeper still. That's your core beliefs, why you're writing what you're writing, your purpose, what it all means to you. And then I believe that the sum total of all of those things is the fifth layer, which is your voice. That's your distinct writing personality, your style. It's kind of the authentic version of you so that when people read your work, it, they know it's you. And, and there are some writers you can probably think of, you know that they are so themselves, you instantly know that what you're reading is from them and the trouble is that many people are stuck up in the mind so the book and my work is a lot about freeing people up from there and then working through the layers so that we can be fully expressed. So when you work with people do you find that the process of moving from mind to voice like do you have to hit all the points or do you skip a point or does it or does it take months or does it take hours to kind of get there yeah that's a good question it can take just a couple of hours mm. to be honest so we usually start off from the mind and ask people to think about what they think about writing like for example do they think writing is really hard you know I hate writing mm. and think about some ways that they might be telling themselves negative stories for example most people can reel off several specific criticisms they've had mm. from people who have said grammar shamed them for example when they've shown a really heartfelt piece of work and then someone's just told them they have bad grammar or someone's read their diary and sort of pulled them up on things and shamed them for the personal thoughts they'd had in their diary or just humiliated them you know we, sometimes you people work in offices where people loudly sort of shout that their someone's work was terrible mm. and sort of have a tantrum about it it's absolutely terrible but these things create these things create mindset blocks so we go through a process of just figuring out what you believe and reframing it and then we look at what your personality is like what have your coping mechanisms been due to these things so in the book, I outlined seven personality types. And so for some people, they're a last minute type. They can only leave their work to the last minute. And that allows mm. them to get over the fear that they have. Or maybe they're perfectionists. They really feel bad about themselves. So they nitpick at everything. So we kind of, we look at, yeah, what you're thinking and what you're, how you're behaving. And once you unpick that, people have loads of aha moments that they can't believe mm. they were actually thinking those things. And they're like, oh, gosh. I thought I'd dealt with that and I haven't. And it can be a little disturbing for them, but they were thinking those things anyway. So it's just that they're aware now mm. of thinking those things. So that's the first thing. And then we look at writing from the heart and writing freely to show. So I do that to show them that they can bypass all this stuff really easily. So I use um, some creative writing techniques that I outline in the book, specifically object writing is one where you write from the senses. And that's a timed exercise. And we usually do 10 minutes. And after they've done that, they realize they can write freely. They can create really cool things. 
that are full of images and descriptive words and they they everybody surprises themselves with how well they can write using this technique so then they know that they can change their mindset they can actually write freely and then we look at other things like what is your purpose why are you writing what you're writing what do you really want to achieve from it what are you really passionate about and I sort of teach also some practical tools and techniques that's the body element of it um, so that you kind of get a whole workout it's a whole multi-sensory multi-discipline multi-disciplinary way of writing that I just haven't seen anywhere else because mm. like you said with the hummingbird thing it's taking bits from everything and heavily psychology based because at heart I'm a psychologist you know that was my yeah. sort of passion although I didn't want to be a psychologist so I'm being a psychologist through <laughs> <laughs> through this so that's great <laughs> I, I just like adore all of that because I think that'll be so freeing to so many people because I've had conversations uh, with clients and with listeners and so many people have so much baggage around writing and whether that's because they were dyslexic or they've been told they're like a visual person and they do process things more visually but and then it's kind of like you're either or well if you're visual you can't you can't be a writer and so I think that the very idea of questioning those stories to begin with is probably going to be a massive turning point for a lot of people but then to be able to kind of see that there's a there's layers underneath that that they can pull out it I, yeah I just feel like it's a really lovely accessible thing for people who have been told that writing's not for them exactly it's so powerful and I've worked with dyslexic people and and what you say about the visual people they can be the best writers because they're able to access all those amazing mm. images and People have said that it's just transformed them. Like the, the dyslexic lady said, um, my first book changed everything for her. She just realized she could do it. Because I, I wrote a book called Just Write It a few years ago. And yeah, she could write. It was easy. Everybody says it's easy. They don't care what people think anymore. It's just free. They're free again. And that's, I, I love that. I love that transformation. And it's incredibly powerful. Yeah, and and that's the thing I think. Well, it's obviously like the whole point of the book, but it is about finding the joy in it. And this is what I'm saying to people over and over again with marketing more broadly. It's like if you're not enjoying it, what's the point? Because you're not going to want to be wholeheartedly putting out there this thing that you've not really enjoyed doing because you know it's not going to be your best work if you've not really enjoyed doing it. So like, why? Why are you doing it if you're not enjoying it? And then how can we find a way to bring joy into it? I think that's so crucial. Exactly. And I think it's probably the same with marketing. It's, yeah, getting your mindset right at the beginning so that you can think positive thoughts about the task at hand. Because um, the worst thing you can be is your own self-critic. Let mm. other people have that job. Mm. That's not for you to, to criticise yourself, but... I think when people are wounded and they don't even know they're wounded, that it becomes a protective layer that protects from joy. So you protect against criticism, protect against everything, but then you're not able to be vulnerable enough mm. to feel joy. Because it is vulnerable, actually, I think, to really be happy, really mm. love something, you know, that puts you in a, in a space where you... Um, yeah, you, you, have, you have to feel, you have to be comfortable with feeling, definitely. Mm. That's what that's a big thing that I promote, that we have to 
our power comes from how we feel and we, when we ignore how we feel then we're disempowered because then you can't get angry at the things you're supposed to be angry at you can't be happy at the moments where you're supposed to be really happy and you you're just missing out and and I think for your customers and clients that that joy is contagious they like yeah. people who are happy genuinely though but if you're not happy then that's fine too but just whatever you're feeling they love that mm. because they they see that as the truth and they can resonate with that yeah that's what I'm I'm finding myself to say to people more and more particularly around things like e-courses where people are like oh I feel like I should do an e-course and everybody's got one so should I do one it's like yes it is quite a saturated market but the difference is whether you are excited by your own product and you can see that everywhere like people who are releasing things because it was kind of the next thing to do the next tick box and you can tell they've kind of done it for the sake of it versus the people who are like I've made this thing I'm so pleased with it it's absolutely amazing like I know it's going to change your life like that second (laughs) that second example is so much more infectious you want to buy that thing more than the person who's just kind of released something yeah and when you said that it made me smile I was like yeah that could feel the power behind Mm. yeah that that you know the second example that you gave definitely so I want to talk a little bit more about kind of finding voice and then well journaling will most likely come up in this because that's something again that a lot of people worry about and whether because they've come from a more academic background and they're worried about not sounding like a human (laughs) or people again they worry like how should I sound what should my tone of voice be so what's your kind of advice to people like that who are kind of saying how do I find my voice yeah so the only way to find your voice well I actually say in the book that you can't really find your voice actually but you just uncover it so it's there, but it's been covered up by these thoughts, you know, from academia or from elsewhere that you thought you had to write like this or be like this. And it really is a matter of going through the mindset ex- mindset exercises I talked about, doing creative writing exercises. But I think ultimately it's about keeping a journaling practice where you are free writing, where, which is literally where you just write freely and don't stop to sort of correct yourself or think about what you're saying. And it's the same with the object writing I talked about. That's where you focus on an object for 10 minutes or or five minutes or 90 seconds. You always time it and you focus on what you see, hear, touch, taste, smell, the feeling you have and the movement of the object. And you write about that freely without stopping, without correcting any grammar, without thinking, just from the senses, smelling the object, say it's a piece of fruit, you're smelling the apple or the orange, you're tasting it, you're seeing the movement. And you begin to find your voice because only you can sense the world the way you can. No one else can sense it like you. So if you keep doing object writing exercises like that, and it's completely laid out in the book, then you begin to see that your specific ways of describing things are so unique Mm. really completely unique and if you did this in a group did it with a friend or whatever you'd see that their way of describing the same object was completely different from you and then you start to see that you have a voice but things were just getting in the way of it Mm. so it's about really just unlayering and the the 
the conditioning through these exercises, through creative exercises, mindset exercises, so that you're free to just express yourself. And if you keep doing object writing, if you do it every day, if you keep on doing it, over time, you just become freer and freer and you find that writing is easy and, and it feels free and your voice starts to shine through everything. It feels like more and more with things like this, the trick is to think less. Yes. And bypass, find a way to bypass the brain as much as you can to access, because this is certainly the case for me that I found that I need to bypass my mind to actually access the truth and that I need to find a way just to mute my brain. <laughs> exactly. Nail on the head. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly it. And the way to do that is, like you're saying, through these exercises, but also I think with practice, you find your voice too. By practicing writing in a journal every day or however you're going to be writing every day or every week, the more that you the more you'll start to express yourself differently because even thinking about my own blog like the post two years I think I've actually deleted some of my earlier ones which I'm kind of d- disappointed I did that now but it's done but certainly the way that I write it, they almost sound like two different people from the beginning till now just because of the practice of expressing myself that way every week for two years exactly yes and that's the sort of craft element of it yeah working on your craft you do get better everybody no one starts out great Mm. you might be good but you're never great you yeah it's practicing and honing your technique honing your voice yeah I mean I'm saying you uncover the voice but sort of different linguistic ways to look at it you you do have to practice so it's yeah what you said is completely true and also switching off your brain in terms of doing other things like walking is great for switching off the brain and just getting in that flow. So I often tell people to walk and write and have an exercise for doing, well, it's not really an exercise. It's quite easy. Just walk and write. <laughs> quite simple. <laughs> have, it, <laughs> have an intention before you go out for your walk, you know, and literally on the go, be jotting down things on your phone or your notepad. And I often recommend um, listening to music, you know, like the Baroque music at 60 beats per minute. Anything that switches off, like going for a shower, having chopping up, I always tell people to make a spaghetti, you know, where you chop Mm -hmm. up all the vegetables, anything that's getting you in your body. If you're in your body, then you're not in your mind. So like moving, any any kind of movement, if you like to dance, going to a dance class, going to a concert, listening to, just be having like a body experience. And writing from that place will help you access your your voice really quickly. Mm. And then you also have had a workout, or you know, you feel <laughs> great as well. So, so it's a double double whammy. There. <laughs> you've got some dinner to eat, which yeah, is a perk. Got... <laughs> <laughs> yes, you've got some dinner and you've got a blog post written. <laughs> so, for people who are maybe like me, or they haven't journaled before, and it feels like another thing that they should be doing or something that they could do wrong, which I know a lot of people feel like about things. So I guess I'm asking for journaling newbies or people who haven't used a journal for creativity before, what are some good ways to kind of get into it and get your head around that process? Yeah. So I think buy a journal that's really cheap, you Mm. know, go to TK Maxx or Tesco or somewhere and buy something that's Really, really cool something you might have bought when you're a teenager something that you don't mind screwing up and you know scribbling in 
and then sort of give yourself permission to not write neatly to you know spend a whole maybe to doodle spend a whole page just drawing some hearts or mm. butterflies or it's really a place for you it's not no one else is going to read this it's just a place to express yourself and then just keep it with you at all times you know if you're watching a bit of tv have the your journal there and if you think of something you want to say perhaps write it down instead just it's quite useful as well at the start to getting the practice of morning pages where you're writing kind of three pages of free writing where you're just writing down all your thoughts in the morning or in the afternoon whenever you want to do it and just keep going three pages and to understand that it doesn't have to be writing you could be writing a shopping list you could be writing a conversation you had with your friend yesterday you know how you hate your curtains and you might want to change them Mm -hmm. it's kind of write down anything that comes into your head so that you're just getting in the practice of not censoring yourself and then over time if you keep doing this if you keep just jotting down whatever you think you'll start to see your journal as a place that's like a a friend it's like really comforting you think oh I actually want to go and write some stuff now I want to process my thoughts for the day and then you want to do it more and more and then once you keep getting in that practice you don't have to do it every day but if you keep just writing down what you think eventually you'll find creative ideas coming up and it will be a place that will be invaluable to your work and your life because everything will be there the mm. good stuff and the bad and then you have a you can transform it use it however you want that's that's really nice and I, what i actually like about the prompts that you've got in the book is that it's it is kind of day-to-day stuff but it's positive stuff as well because every time I've kind of heard somebody talk about journaling or somebody suggested to me it's been as a way to process something horrible that's happening. Oh that's interesting. (laughs) Um, So maybe that's partly why I'm put off by it because it feels like it'd be quite a harrowing experience. (laughs) Yeah that would be harrowing to go straight to the the worst thing that's ever happened Mm. that's not pleasant and that's going to block you so yeah I really love that you because I hadn't ever even thought of it that way that these are really positive prompts I guess it's just naturally how I go about my my life and my work with people that we're yeah we're we might look at some darker stuff but yeah it's always gonna the idea is that you will always feel good Mm. about it while you're doing it overall you know (laughs) on a broader (laughs) sense yeah no that's good I I like that I might I mean obviously everybody's been telling me to do morning pages for a long time I need to actually do it (laughs) so I can tell people whether it's good or not (laughs) yeah exactly I think you'll uh, yeah I'm sure you'll enjoy it Mm. if you but it but it is a commitment so I yeah that's why I don't have any rules in my book we don't need another thing that you have to commit to every single day. It, this is like finding the sparks of joy that make you really want to do it, mm. you know, and coming from inspiration. Yeah, I think that's so important. The last thing we need is more rules, especially around something that's supposed to be about expressing joy and happiness and inspiration. And like, yeah, we just need fewer rules and yeah. to just get get to our own truth we need tools to get to bypass that mind and get into the the heart and the soul and the intuition and and not a rule of how to get there so thank you for for creating a book that doesn't have any rules in it (laughs) (laughs) my pleasure (laughs) yeah I'm some I'm the kind of person who likes to break the rules so (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna have none there's gonna be nothing in here (laughs) because I think the thing is as well when you see the transformation happening that spurs you on you know it's working 
that's far more powerful, I think, than having than following a path, thinking that this is the way I'm supposed to do it. That it's much more joyful. Yeah, mm. joyful is a good word to um to to know that this is working, and then you're going to continue because it's really working for you. Mm, absolutely. So before we wrap up, I have to ask you the question that we ask everybody on the podcast, which is how do you grow a soul in your work and life? So I think it's all about looking and listening to what life is telling you and then acting on that, but from a really carefully considered place so that you're not acting out of out of fear, but you're acting out of love. And I believe, of course, that the only way to do that is to journal and write down all your thoughts and feelings and not censor yourself. And then you can really act in the world as you ought to from a position of love. Yeah, I love that. That's such a good one. So where can people come and find you and connect with you? And where can they find the book? So you can find me at my website, which is www.gretasolomon.com. And the book is available around the world. It's on Amazon and it should be distributed in most bookshops. So if you don't find it in your bookshop, ask. Because <laughs> <laughs> it should be there. And yeah, find me on Instagram. I do love Instagram. So I'm yeah, Greta.Solomon on Instagram. And it'd be great to connect with you. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing so much about your knowledge and and about the book and all this stuff about finding voice. And I, I think this is going to be a really lovely one for people. So thank you so much, Greta. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. In case you are popping into your local bookshop and didn't catch the title of Greta's book, it is Heart, Sess and Soul, Journal Your Way to Inspiration and Happiness. Links to that and anything else we mentioned will be on my website at simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast. And you can find me and Greta on Instagram. I'm at simpleandseason and she's at greta.solomon. As always, if you think you have a friend who'd really benefit from listening to this conversation, please do send them the link and don't forget to share where you're listening to. And until next time, I hope you grow a soul. <laughs>